What if you could see exactly how somebody presented themselves in order to get into the very same school you are losing sleep over, wondering how to impress them yourself? How much would you pay for that? If it was really the secret that you're hoping it would be, you'd probably shell out quite a bit. And how do you think that might help you? Well, I talked today with somebody who has created that possibility for you to answer those questions for yourself. Her name is Stephanie Shu, and she's the co-founder of a new company called Admitsy. Welcome to The Crush. Welcome to The Crush. I'm Davin Sweeney, an admissions counselor who interviews people who have new, different, maybe underreported perspectives on college and college admissions. Subscribe on iTunes and leave a review if you like this show. It's easy to do. Sign up for email updates at crushpodcast.com. Okay, so it's been a while. Uh, we hiatus there as I um, hit the uh, dusty trail going to college fairs and, uh, you know, various uh, events, talking to mainly juniors uh, in high school who are getting ready for this process to begin anew. It's busy this time of year for people like us in college admissions. And, you know, everybody's trying to wrap their head around the process. What do I have to do? When do I have to have the stuff in? Um, what do you have? Stuff like that. But then, you know, there's this bigger question of what are you guys looking for? in a successful application for admission, or maybe even just put more frankly, uh, how do I get in here? You know, they want to know what you have to do to get into a place. That's the whole point. That's the whole mystery of selective admissions is that there isn't a key. There isn't a magic thing that we can each tell everybody, or if there is, we're keeping it uh, secret from you. That's why you see all of these companies are talking about, you know, being able to offer you the secret to unlocking the gates of admission, blah, 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 uh, because it's this uh, mystery that, you know, we've all put this veil over on purpose that we can't let you see because, uh, you know, we're evil or something. Um, and so uh, this, the guest today, you know, tried to kind of write something pithy to sort of come up with, with a clever introduction. I got more to say on the other end of this interview, um, but uh, it's really kind of an interesting thing that they're doing. So I'll say that Admitsy, first of all, I don't know. For me, it's the thing that, that struck me the most is that it's it's a place where you can buy and sell successful uh, college applications, right? So there's a kid that got into like 10 schools. He goes to one of them and then, uh, you know, creates a profile, shows you what it is that, uh, you know, where, where it is that he applied, where he got in, where he's going. And then, you know, you can uh, you can sort of buy those applications if you want and stephanie digs into it a little bit more about how that exactly works but you know this is kind of weird like i was one counselor um put it online said a little bit like you know this is sort of like uh diagnosing yourself using webmd uh which i thought was an interesting analogy i came up with a with a better one and i thought that it felt a little bit like total recall for uh for college admissions uh you know you want to go to college on mars well try on this identity and it'll get you there we all know how that movie turned out. Those of you who have seen it, it turned out, um, spoiler alert, pretty good for Schwarzenegger, I guess, in the end. Um, I don't think that the college admissions process is really truly like Total Recall in most respects, but I think that, you know, Admitsy does present the opportunity for you to maybe try on a new, uh, you know, a new life for yourself a little bit and see how it fits. I mean, I guess that's sort of a cynical interpretation, but, you know, you'll hear more about what it is, how it works. Um, by the way, Total Recall is a uh, radar uh, for a good reason. So 
kids, uh, you know, be careful before you dive into that. But once you do, I, I, I would like to believe that you won't, you won't be sorry. It's one of my favorites. I had the poster on my wall uh, growing up as a kid. Okay, well, I've clearly digressed. Anyways, um, college is big business. That's another thing here uh, that's worth noting. There are uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies that uh, service the college admissions world and sort of feed a little bit off the anxiety. A lot of them claim to be resolving the anxiety. A lot of them uh, you know, think that, that they've got sort of the answer to make life easier perhaps used appropriately, they can. And so we talk a little bit about that in the interview, the fact that this is a tool, but that it could be sort of uh, used in a way that's not intended and harmful, really, to uh, the integrity of the process that we have tried to set up. So we talk about how the product works, um, the value of presenting yourself in an authentic way in the college application process, her own history that led to the founding of this company, uh, and a bunch of other stuff that I think you'll find interesting. I talked to Stephanie from her office in San Francisco, where she had just relocated from New York. Uh, my name is Stephanie Shu. I'm the co-founder of Inmitzi. Um, our website is inmitzi.com, and it's basically a peer-to-peer -peer market platform where uh, successful college and grad school students upload their application information and their resumes into profiles that can be browsed by uh, prospective students um, who want insight into applying to schools and, um, and launching their careers. Right. So you, so Admitsy sort of first came on to my radar screen as an admissions counselor when I heard some other folks, I guess, in my sort of general profession and vicinity talking about it, mainly as a place where students can buy and sell successful applications for admission to colleges. Does that sound accurate? Um, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I, uh, part of it is these successful application files and resumes um, that can be purchased by the applicant, and we split sales with the students that share their information 50-50. Um, so it's, it is sort of like a marketplace where students are uh, accessing what a successful application looks like, but there's also the component of um, sort of peer mentorship, right? Where as an applicant, you're going onto the site to get insight into um, insight and advice from the current students themselves about what it means to be a student on campus at that school. Um, their favorite classes, um, what research positions are available, um, looking at internship opportunities. It's, you know, looking at sort of what a successful, compelling application looks like is one part of it, but then there's also getting that, that near-peer insight into, okay, where do I want to spend the next four years of my life? Okay, so tell me tell me a little bit about how the the sort of marketplace aspect of it works. I'm I'm, I'm curious about that, and then I promise we'll talk we'll talk about the rest of it too because obviously it's more than just that. <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, the way it works is as a college student or a grad student, most of them are current, but you don't necessarily have to be. You could be a recent grad. Um, you come onto the site and you create a user profile into which you upload your uh, your full application, so including your grades, your test scores, extracurriculars, 
um, your awards, summer internships or work experience, uh, as well as your full essays, if you want to, and responses to advice questions, such as, you know, how did you get um, your recommendation letters? Or would you recommend visiting the school before applying? All of that is uploaded into the profile, um, and it can be searched and browsed by uh, an applicant who wants to find somebody who is similar to themselves, uh, to themselves, whether it's uh, sharing an academic background um, or an interest in a particular major or you know a, a potential career path. And uh, the applicant or the parent, usually it's parents of the applicants, right. will pay to access these profiles. Um, and you actually can preview a lot of the profile before you purchase. So you can see like how many words are, are in this essay that is shared by the student, how many words are in the response, the advice responses, um, SAT ranges. So you do get a lot of information before you purchase. But if you want to see the full application, you purchase access to it. Um, and then we split the sales uh, with the students. It's a 50-50 split. That way, the college student that is sharing this information is being compensated for, for sharing, so for their IP and for their insight. And so I think you told me before that you had probably that, that, that at, the, at the high end, you know, a student can sell their, their material to another individual for $20. Is that right? So then the, other stu- so then the, stu- the partner student with whom you, you split the profits gets $10 every time their application is purchased by, by a, a student in high school. Yeah, it, that's sort of at the very high end. And, um, uh, you know, at the low end, we actually do provide free access to the site um, if we're working um, for students who are attending certain schools that we're working with. So whether it's a Title I school um, or a school that we're just piloting our product at, mm-hmm. um, you can actually get free access to the site. For us, it's really about, okay, how much information can we get to get into the hands of the applicants and really try to level the emissions playing field um, so that they can be most informed when they're making their decisions about how to apply to schools. So how much money has a student made so far with you? Um, It ranges, uh, but our top earner this past application season has earned over uh, over $1,000. And where are they in school? Um, this student is at Stanford. So I would imagine that, you know, a school like Stanford where, you know, that the, it's, it's extremely, extremely selective, uh, the range of secrets about who gets in and who doesn't, I would imagine is, is, is greater at a place like that with such a high selectivity rate. So that's liable to be more of a, a coveted application than those that might be at less selective institutions. Is that sort of how, how you're seeing it too? Um, Yes, yes, to one extent, um, in the sense that a lot of students are just, they're curious, even if they're not necessarily shooting for Stanford, they kind of want to see what a successful Stanford application looks like, mm-hmm. right? So um, it might not be necessarily purchasing access um, for themselves, like to to structure their own application for ideas for their own application, but it's it's um it's sort of just getting a sense of okay this is what a really great application looks like Got it. um but i mean what the students are sharing it's not like these students you know there's no secret to getting into into a particular school and it's mm-hmm. and for sure these students have no idea like how admissions officers are are making their decisions but 
um, what they are sharing is their personal experience, right? So it's, this is my experience applying to this school. Um, this is, you know, if I interviewed with the school, this was my interview experience. Mm -hmm. And these are the essays that I submitted. So it's a very personal insight that as an applicant you're getting. And it's relevant to you if you feel that you identify um, with that particular student. Uh, if you're maybe from the same hometown, you went to the same high school. Sure. Or maybe, you know, like I mentioned before, you're interested in um, the same program at that school. So you kind of want to see why they chose to apply to that school, right. that sort of thing. Um, and obviously this, you know, this depends entirely on, you know, how many students decide to engage you right and put their materials sort of uh, up for up for sale for lack of a better term so that the more students that you have from more institutions the the, the richer your database is that right yeah i you know we have a really large representation at um sort of what you would quote unquote call the top tier schools okay. but um, we do have representation across you know 300 plus um, universities. So we are gathering a lot of this data because we want the, the, the site to be relevant to anybody mm -hmm. who is applying to college. Um, cause it's really about finding the best fit college and not about, okay, what is you know the top ranking of, in us news and world report, right? It's really about helping these students discover this is somebody who looks like you. Um, these are the schools that they uh, apply to. And this is why they ultimately ended up at this one. And um, you should reach out to this person to figure out, you know, their decision-making process. And so in that way, we're also kind of part of the discovery process for a lot of applicants who, um, who might not have heard of a lot of the schools that uh, successful students have, um, have applied to. Um, so there's that. And then uh, there's also the data component. Um, you know, we actually heard from a Stanford admissions officer that, Figuring out which students to accept is very much an art, um, but figuring out which students to reject is a science. So what we're helping these students do by collecting all of this information, all of this data about you know, which students um, were accepted into which schools, where they were um, deferred or waitlisted or rejected, it's actually helping them figure out, narrowing down their decision-making process um, as they're applying to schools, you know, I can come on to admitsy.com and figure out if I had a disciplinary action, these are the schools that are never going to consider me. So maybe I should focus my attention elsewhere, right? That's the sort of data that we're collecting where, you know, the, the sort of affirmative process of how to get into a school is really, it's very personal to each student, but the data like that we've amassed, that's data that we can help students figure out where they can potentially pare down their selection of schools because there are certain trends that we see across admissions. So this is a little bit different from other tools that are available. So for instance, the one that probably most high school students are most familiar with is Naviance, right? Where they basically, they've got a grid with points that are plotted on the grid that shows, you know, GPA and SAT score and sort of where they ended up in the admissions process. And so that gives them at least sort of a numerical uh, basis for perhaps choosing to apply to a school based on whether they think they might have a shot of getting in or not. But it seems that you're collecting information that, that, that goes a little bit deeper than that, you know, in, in terms of um, some of the, 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 the more qualitative data as opposed to the kinds of things that you can really measure with numbers uh, and giving students some insight there. Yeah, exactly. I think there are, 
there are different sites out there that do plot, you know, the, the quantitative um, elements that go into an application and kind of spit out, these are your chances or these are the schools you should consider. But there's a lot more that goes into an application as, as a lot of these students are discovering and which is why they're like, you know, they're being asked to write, you know, so many supplemental essays um, by all of these schools and, and why they're so focused on leadership positions and extracurriculars, because these are the qualitative elements that are being weighed um, really heavily out of a lot of schools. Okay. So let me back up a, a ways and, and talk to me a little bit. Tell me the story of how AdmitC came to be. Yeah. Um, so I met my co-founder uh, while we were both uh, grad students at UPenn. It was sort of coming from that perspective of just having applied to grad school and not really having insight into the process. We went through the undergrad process, so you would think maybe have a little bit more insight applying to grad school, but it's just, it's a totally different game. And so we started talking about, you know, why isn't there data out there to help us figure out kind of how to apply and which schools to consider in admissions trends? And why isn't there a place where you can actually view the successful application files and the advice of students who've already gone through the process, who's maybe a, you know, who are maybe a year or two ahead of you. Um, so that was something that that we kind of both landed on because of our um, our own personal and professional experiences. We have both been sort of consultants or tutors, like throughout you know, kind of high school and college um, at different points of our lives, and so. It was something that kind of spoke to us on that level. So let me ask you a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, it seems that you've got some pretty clear constituency groups here uh, that you're helping out, right? The kids, the parents, you know, the ones that are dealing with this with this process. But then, uh, you know, and then you've also got on your website, you you know, you've got PTA groups, uh, you know, school faculty, and then you've got your current college students. Now, I represent a constituency that really isn't on your website, that being the college admissions professional on the other side. So how do you guys help us? Yeah, we actually work with um, a number of individual um, admissions consultants. And the way that we, we view sort of the way that we help is to provide a supplementary tool for um, for you as you're working with your clients. So maybe to help reinforce um, something that you're already telling your client, like telling the student, the applicant, and being able to point to examples of things that you think are done well or weren't done as well in an essay, for example, and and be able to um, to point to those samples as you're talking about um, how to craft an application essay. Um, or even looking at the advice sections of these students, uh, actually having peer insight reinforce your expert insight. I think that was something that my my guidance counselor could have benefited from as well because he kind of gave me advice that I dismissed off the bat because I was like, oh, you don't get what I'm trying to do here. Um, but I think if he had actually shown me um, sample like profiles of other people who are similar to me that kind of reinforced his message, I would have maybe, I think I would have reconsidered um, his advice to me. I think it would have been like, oh, well, here are other students who, who've gone through it, who are, are similar to me. And, um, and maybe I, 
I haven't considered other approaches or perspectives that I could. So on the one, you know, I, I, I looked at you know, your website and you do talk a, a, about the fact that you vet the essays on your end for plagiarism by running them all through Turnitin. Is that right? Um, and so we don't do that on on our end. Okay. We just make sure that um, these are these essays are um, you know are the essays of of students. If there's questions, we ask for you know the, the comment on PDF exactly. But um, the the plagiarism like anti plagiarism software that's available that's something that universities have access to yep. and that we are you know wholeheartedly behind where we tell admissions offices, you know, like our database is open to you. So if you want to run all of our essays through Turnitin and just double check as you're admitting people, um, that's something that universities, um, you know, can do as they're admitting students. So you're saying that your database is open to universities if we want to check the essays that we're getting from our applicants against the essays that you have in your database? Yes. Yeah, we actually talked to Turnitin and and try to get access ourselves so that we could run everything, but they don't. They only work with institutions, so unfortunately, that wasn't something that was available to us. To okay, do. because obviously, you know, this is there's a there's a, a concern that we have on our end about you know what if students buy you know a successful application for admission to someplace and they copy the essay word for word and send it into us. You're saying that it's incumbent upon the institution to continue to check for uh, for for any issues there as far as plagiarism is concerned. Yeah, and we're we have the tools to help you to kind of providing the tools for you to do that. Um, but but we just don't have that capability on on our end um, with the existing software. So along the same lines of of plagiarism, but not not exactly you know by that same term. One of the concerns that I have, you know, and this is something that uh, in admissions what we're spending a lot of time doing is trying to tell students to be as authentic as possible, you know, and we're fighting an uphill battle all the time, which is that there's authentic and then there's sort of successful in terms of the admissions process, right? And that they're not, and that this, you know, those are not always exactly the same thing. So we're hoping that students, you know, have enough faith in themselves and their abilities to sort of put their most authentic self forward in this process. And I guess I'm a little worried that if students see, you know, are looking at uh, applications that have been successful for admission at institutions that they might be stretching into other personalities because they've seen, for lack of a better term, the personality that works because, you know, and it might not, it, it might not exactly be their personality, but, you know, it's, it's maybe close enough and, and they're maybe uh, adjusting their application a little bit to, to, to fit the mold of, of someone who's, who's already gotten there successfully. Yeah. I mean, we, we really don't see, at least from the students that are contacting us, um, to get access to, to the profiles and to the essays. We don't really see that, um, that concern so much, um, because a lot of these students, they have interesting stories to tell, right? They do have these personal experiences that are super rich that, can be turned into amazing essays, but the sort of like one of those popular things, like the most popular questions we get is this event happened in my life and I don't know how to talk about it. So 
for example, we had somebody email us and say, I want to write my personal statement about my father passing away, um, but I don't want it to sound like a sob story. Um, how do I talk about a very deeply personal event that happened to me in a way that is, um, that is compelling? And that's really the sort of um, the use that we see of, of our site where students can come and see how different topics were addressed or looking at um, as you're kind of thinking of essay topics to, to use, maybe not uh, going off of like the sort of cliche, this was my volunteer experience abroad, but here are the other successful application essay topics that people have written about. Okay, um, so let me let me know, they, so creative. Right, right, so, right. This is a this is obviously this is a big problem, right? That's uh, I think that, that students struggle with a little bit is like, you know, this is a process I believe that just begs for honesty, you know, and students I think get rewarded for their honesty because those are the most authentic stories that they can possibly tell. But of course they're scared out of their minds, you know, how honest can I really be without sort of hurting my chances? And so let me let me right. you know, let's let's take a hypothetical here. Let's say that a, you know, I've got a student who uh, who got arrested in high school for something. Um, mm -hmm. And they learned from this, this was the crucible moment for them. You know, this is the thing that they really want to talk about in their, in their essay, provided it wasn't too serious an offense. Let's say that they were, you know, at a, uh, Black Lives Matter protest and they got arrested by police and they want to talk about that. But of course, you know, that's a that's a pretty serious disciplinary issue. And they're rightfully concerned about sharing that with the college that they're applying to. So how does that student engage your process successfully to help them work through that 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 uh, that concern? You can come onto the site. Um, I think you actually have to, you have to disclose any disciplinary action. Right. Um uh, in your application file. And so when you uh, come onto the site, you can actually search by essay topic in our filter, or you can do a keyword search. So maybe you search for the word arrested, and then it'll return um, the profiles that contain um, that keyword within that profile, whether it's, you know, an advice response or an essay. And then you can kind of go through the profiles um, and preview the essays to get a sense of whether or not it, it, it's relevant to you. And, um, and so in this hypothetical, as an applicant, I could find an essay that talks about, um, about being arrested um, in high school and kind of see how that person maybe approached it, um, the sort of tone that they use. Um, and I think just for you know, not necessarily even looking at, at the essay, but just knowing that somebody else has written about it, um, I think it is really reassuring for a lot of students who want to address kind of more controversial topics, but aren't sure if it's acceptable to even see that there are other examples out there. Why would it be less productive for me to call the admissions office at the University of Rochester and say, hey, I'm an anonymous student. I'm not giving you my name. You don't know anything about me. You don't know where I'm from or anything. But here's my situation. What do you think? And listen to what the admissions counselor has to say on the other end about that. Why, why is that maybe not as useful a tool as the one that you're presenting? Um, I don't know that it's necessarily not as useful. I do think for the student who is self-started and proactive, um, they can absolutely do that and, um, and get insight from the admissions office. 
um, I think that's actually a great idea. But um, but for, for students who don't feel comfortable with that or who maybe want to also see um, sort of like empirical data um, of other students who have done something similar, that's what our site can provide. And we can actually provide a sample of, of a more controversial essay. Um, I mean, you know, hopefully the admissions officer is um, is very candid about it, but I don't know. Uh, maybe they'll say like, oh, I don't know, try not to talk about it. Or maybe they say, yeah, it's fine for you to talk about it. And, um, and it might not be like, it could hurt the student to talk about it. Um, I don't know, like, I, I think it's, our site provides that sort of, uh, that supplementary data for students. Um, so if you were to call the admissions office and get an answer, you can actually come onto our site and also see kind of whether or not um, that school has accepted students um, who have talked about similar essay topics. Which is in the end of the at the end of the day the thing that students are most interested in knowing, right? Is this going to work out for me in the end? Right. But on the other hand, right. it's not also you know it, it it can't possibly tell the entire story, right? Because there are lots of other different things in the application, and there are a lot of other different factors that go into the admissions decision. Yeah, absolutely, and that's not something you're going to be able to get from the admissions officer, even if you call. Like if if you give them all your stats. Um, they might not be able to um, to tell you whether or not you're going to get in. I mean, it's there's it's a whole. I mean, you know better um, but than than anyone because you're in the process yourself. But um, but there's so many factors that go into, it, and there are multiple admissions um, officers that are looking at these different these different applications. That really, what we're giving uh, students on our site is a way to feel like they're more in control of a process that can be very, very stressful um, to them. And it, I argue is actually the first time in um, in a lot of these students' lives that they're making a big decision on their own mm -hmm. um, about, you know, kind of the next stage of their lives. And it's, you know, and, and, and you know, you're in, you know, you're, you're, while you're giving students some information that is otherwise not available, it, they might be a little bit better off, but they're still in a position of this may work, this may not work, right? Because there's no such thing as a sure thing in selective college admissions. Yeah, I mean, but that's true of, of any resource you use, even if you hire um, an expert consultant that, I mean, nobody can guarantee you're going to get into the school. Right. Um, no matter how much money you spend, uh, even if you spend like thousands of dollars on an expert. Why do you think this is such a, I mean, why, why do you think this is such a big deal? I mean, because that there are so, there are so many schools out there, right? That there, there are 4,000 or something like that is the figure that people use to throw around to talk about institutions of higher ed in this country, just in this country, let alone uh, schools in other countries that are completely outstanding uh, and would have room for American citizens and other citizens of the world in them. Why is it that, <clears throat> you know, we're so driven by, this handful of schools, you know, and why is it that a student can't feel just as comfortable as Frank Bruni would uh, would put forth at UNC Chapel Hill as they would at Stanford? Unfortunately, that that is, I think that is the case um, because because there's no guarantee of sort of 
uh, like job placement after you graduate for, um, for a lot of these schools. So you're sort of like, let me shoot for the quote unquote, you know, best or highest ranking school because it puts me in the best position after I graduate. But that may or may not be the case. Um, you know, as we see, there was like a recent article about the types of graduates like Google um, hires. It's not necessarily, you know, Ivy League students. Hopefully, I do think the rhetoric is changing around admissions, you know, to put less emphasis on ranking and more on what are the skills that you're developing um, and the network that you're building through college. I think a lot of a lot of it has to change around um, looking at college as as an opportunity for you to explore different career options, um, to expand your social network instead of uh, prestige. I think. Um, and I do think there is a lot of talk that is moving in the right direction. Um, and so what we want to do is to have students at these sort of lesser known schools actually talk about, you know, their experience at those schools and be able to reach out to applicants and say, this is a school you should consider, you know, for X, Y, Z reasons. Also, like prior to sort of doing the startup, I didn't know that there were schools that put so much emphasis on internship experience uh, during the school year. That's great. There, that's real world experience that you can gain while you're a student in college. That is a feature of a university that should be promoted and that students should really take into consideration as they're considering what schools to apply to. And, and I do think that there are a lot of really great programs out there that are somewhat like overlooked or aren't highlighted enough that we would love to highlight through representation of of college students on our site. Do you feel like you guys can make an impact on that? I think so, and I think is that something that you're is that something you're actively working toward? Yeah, absolutely. For applicants like users who are coming onto our site, one of the features that we're super excited to roll out is uh, this matching algorithm where uh, we're able to match you to students who are most similar to you according to your interests. Your um, sort of like your academic score ranges. And in matching you with students who are similar to yourself, you can actually kind of discover other colleges that they applied to or that they ended up attending that you might not ever have considered. Maybe it's a small liberal arts school in the Northeast and you're from California and you're like, I've never heard of this school in my life. So, so we really do want to be a part of that discovery phase. I do, you know, I've, 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 I've come a ways, I think, after talking to you in understanding a bit of who you are and what you do. Um, you know, and maybe I'm not, I'm not 100% on board yet. I think I'd like to see, <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious to see sort of where you're going to go. But, you know, I, I can't fault you guys at all for finding this niche, particularly the piece of it where, you know, you're, um, you're, you've got some commerce in, engaging here uh, across the, uh, uh, the divide of college admissions, you know, I, I'm frankly surprised that it took this long, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, which I would imagine was a bit of a eureka moment for you guys at Penn. Um, I can't believe nobody's doing this, right? And I think that right. there are a lot of companies out there that are doing things uh, to make money around this process, and people have some inherent ethical problems with that, which I'm sure you understand one way or another. But, you know, um, this isn't 
these are the times that we live in, right? Where students feel like, you know, look, if it's going to cost me 20, 40, 60, 80 bucks to um, give myself some peace and calm and assurance relative to this process, then that's absolutely worth it for me. Yeah. I mean, I think we're also, we're part of this sort of growing, this trend of, of companies that are starting to compensate people for their data and for their information. So unlike sort of the traditional social networks, it's, there's now a, there's now a crop of companies that are sort of marketplaces, but there's that social aspect where, where users of our site are being compensated for sharing information. And that's something we really believe strongly in to actually help these, um, these college students are sharing their information and their insights to earn, be able to earn money through our site. And that is the primary reason that we even charge for this service is that the students feel that there's something in it for them to share information. And, and it's more sort of candid, it's more, it's verified um, on, on our site. Um, and so it's, you know, there's less of the issue of like, oh, anonymous, um, forum responses. It's like, this is a real student who's gotten in, who wants to share their personal information and insight and they're being compensated for their time. Right. So, so that's, that's sort of like our, um, our thinking around it. So let me look ahead. There are a couple things that I'm curious about. Number one, do you feel like these applications are going to kind of have a shelf life as times and trends and schools and all of these sorts of things change that, you know, an application, uh, to the University of Rochester may only have, you know, four or five years worth of value? Um, yes, as an application file, but no as sort of background information about a person that you want to connect with, right? So similar to how on LinkedIn, you can reach out to somebody and ask for professional advice, and you can kind of see their work experience um, as as the sort of background information about that person. We want that to be the case for students who are, you know, from high school through grad school. Um, so maybe you're applying to grad school and you want to see, um, you know, not just the grad school application file of that of a student, but also kind of what that person did in undergrad. So question number two about the future, looking down the road, um, you know, what kinds of trends are you guys looking at or paying attention to that have helped you see into the future and specifically into a future of success for Edmitsi? Yeah. um, I mean, I think we're seeing in terms of admissions, uh, a trend toward uh, admitting more um, international students, uh, especially um, for uh, for state schools. Um, So I think there's definite, uh, you know, opportunity for us to help um, international students who are applying to U.S. schools to gain insight into, you know, what it means to be an international student in general, and also what it means to be an international student at this particular school. Um, and I think there's also, um, you know, they're trying to uh, potentially even helping. Um, universities reach uh, applicants that they want to um, they want to target so actually helping universities identify students that would be interested um, in attending that school especially international students that they 
um, they're having kind of a tough time, a tough time reaching. So, and that's interesting. I, I wonder how do you, if I can ask, how do you, I'm thinking about the very different cultures that students might be coming from in uh, American high schools versus, let's say, Chinese or Indian high schools, where the opportunities that are available to them, the, f- the, the whole framework of expectations for their time there is wildly different, although obviously it's coming to adapt a lot because you've got so many students that are going to American schools, but really the framework is so different. How does a student from an international environment sort of benchmark themselves productively against a student in an American environment looking at an American college or university? They can, but I agree. It's not very, it's not totally relevant and it's not that effective for them to do that. And so part of what we're trying to do in expanding representation, it's not just representation across different universities, but also of different types of students. So we do have international students um, who've created profiles on our site. And in that way, we can actually like direct, um, direct applicants who are coming from China or India to other successful students who are maybe from their hometown um, and say, hey, this is somebody that you should connect with, that you should talk to and get insight about that school because this is somebody who you know, came from a very similar background. Um, you can sort of filter based on not just your hometown, but on like, as, a, as I mentioned before, like sort of your interests and your academic history. So it really is a very targeted tool for international students who might have, you know, no insight at all into what it means to be a student in the U.S. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? Or if you want to tell me sort of more broadly, sort of where are you going? There's just so much, so much we can do from, from where we stand right now. Um, being able to bridge these two different sides, like students who want information and students who've already gone through a process, whether it's applying to college, applying to grad school, applying for jobs, um, whatever it may be, uh, and kind of connecting them and allowing them to, uh, to gain insight into, into a big decision-making uh, moment for them in their lives. And, uh, and there's a lot that, that can be done to support that. So whether we're working with other partner companies um, or, you know, uh, working with um, scholarships and funds that are providing additional access for students who have been accepted but are having trouble, you know, like paying for school to provide them with these additional resources. Um, that's really what, what we're interested in. And kind of going back to the international student angle, like a lot of students are um, are signing up to edutourism opportunities to, to look into um, the types of schools that, that would be a good fit for them um, because they're an international student have maybe never stepped foot in the U.S. There's so many right. ways that we can kind of support these applicants um, and these students as they're making these big decisions um, by providing access to additional resources. That's what we're working on. Do you have any questions for me? That's a good question. Um, I guess... <laughs> Are there any other kind of concerns that you have that I haven't addressed or, or sort of where you see kind of it, like the admissions trends going that we could potentially like help with given the data that we're collecting? 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've gained a richness of understanding of what you do. I I think that uh, I shared you know the concerns with you that I have, which are mainly that I'm 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 hoping, although there's no guarantee, nor is there ever any guarantee, that students are presenting their most authentic self in the admissions process. You know, and I want students to feel comfortable with being who they are. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we all share with students when we're out on the road is like, you know, just be yourself, and that's super frustrating for kids <laughs> because that's unfortunately. Uh, for them, it's it's not a recipe for success, at least as far as getting into the college they want to get into is concerned, right? Be yourself. Well, myself got terrible SAT scores, you know, so that's not going to work for me. So uh, what else can I do here? You know, is that is it even genuine on our end to say, be yourself, you know? And one of the things that I often tell kids is, look, if you're, if at least if you're yourself and you put that part of you forward in the admissions process and they still say no, then you haven't lost anything, I don't think, except for admission to a school that um, didn't identify you as a fit there. And so, as you know, maybe it isn't a fit and it's just as well that you're going to go someplace else. But on the other hand, I think if you work too hard to kind of game it and to say, I need to do this kind of thing and this kind of thing and this kind of thing, and then I believe that I've got a better shot and then you still don't get in, I think that you've got a lot of students that are wondering, I sh- you know, if only I had gamed it a little bit more in this direction as opposed to this direction, you know, and they kick themselves for playing the game wrong, that at mm-hmm. least you don't have that problem when you're just being yourself. And so when they've got access to yeah. a million selves one day, you know, as your database grows, that they can hopefully use that to sort of triangulate and inform a, a little bit as opposed to, you know, and this is one of my concerns and which is one of the reasons that I brought it up with students internationally is that I feel like they are really trying to fit a mold. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's uh, a concern about, you know, the degree to which who they are. I mean, this is the case with everybody, but who is, is, is who you are, the real you, you know, and that's, that's just, I think one of those super elusive things, um, that no matter what you are, who you are, where you go, and this process is going to remain elusive. I just worry about students trying to present a facsimile of somebody else. That's, that's my, probably my biggest worry. Yeah. And I, I do think that's, that's a totally legitimate concern. And I do think for a lot of students who have a very strong sense of self, they can use our site on their own um, without sort of compromising that. But what we ultimately would love uh, is to have guidance counselors be able to use our site as a supplementary tool. Um, guidance counselors, consultants, experts who can actually tell these students, um, you know, be yourself because look at these other students who were authentic and who talked about something that, you know, traditionally isn't talked about in an essay or, you know, did something that was very different and being able to point to, uh, to examples on our site to kind of support that message, I think is, is very powerful and is something that we would love to happen so that, so students are kind of being like putting their best selves forward, but still being very honest about who they are. The decision of, of where to apply and where to ultimately attend school um, is is potentially like a huge turning point for a lot of students. And, and we do think that kind of even thinking about uh, career prospects and planning out a career path is relevant at, at the stage where 
you're deciding where to go. Um, because I think for a lot of students, even going back to kind of like the ranking uh, of university, a lot of students are like, I need to go to the best ranked university, the highest ranked. Um, that way uh, I have, you know, best career prospects in the future. You know, I think for a lot of students, what they need to hear is, all right, if your ultimate goal is to go to Harvard Medical School, you don't have to go to Harvard for undergrad. Like, mm -hmm. why don't you try, um, why don't you look at other other options out there? Because Harvard med like Medical School can only accept so many Harvard undergrad students, right? Mm -hmm. So um, maybe it's not the best fit for you. And given your career um, your career plans um, to be to go into the medical field, consider um, consider these other mm -hmm. these other schools, right? So to be able to get that insight um, as like a you know 16, 17, 18 year old, I think is very valuable. And people like these students aren't hearing that enough. Thank you, Stephanie Shu of Admitsi for talking to me. I really really appreciate it. Thank you for letting us share kind of like our vision around what we're trying to do. Okay, then there's Mitzi and Stephanie Shu. Kind of fascinating, I think. Don't you? Yes? No? Share it with me. I mean it by calling 503-86-CRUSH. You can leave a message, tweet at CrushPod, or send me an email at crushpodcast at gmail.com. I'm really curious to know other people's perspectives here. Some people think a lot of what Stephanie is proposing in Mitzi can resolve. A lot of the problems that they're uh, saying that they're trying to fix is, in fact, the job of the college guidance counselor, right? And Stephanie makes a point in the interview that she would have been more likely to accept her own guidance counselor's advice if he'd been able to show her some proof showing up his opinion about her own college process. And I know that may hit some people funny, but I do fondly recall the period of my life when questioning adult decisions was a pretty key piece of high school if I remember correctly uh, so for instance she talked about getting a question from a kid about how to write her essay about her father's death which is a hundred percent the kind of thing a guidance counselor is here to help you work through for whatever reason the kid felt more comfortable asking somebody she had never met this question is that good or bad I don't know, just sort of, I think it just sort of is what it is. Also consider that, uh, these are interesting figures, the nationwide average counselor to high school student ratio is about 1 to 240. In California, it's about 1 to 500. So if you're a counselor in an environment like this, perhaps Admitsi looks like help, maybe. I'm sure they are hoping that they look like help. It could be. Right now, though, and in this episode, and uh, regarding Admitsy, we're talking about selective college admissions. And don't forget, because you guys are, are committed fans, that as Ben Castleman said in episode seven, the majority of kids in this country don't go to a place uh, that Admitsy would really be able to help you with. Stephanie talked about doing work with Title I schools, which is great, but I think we're talking about a service that is not liable to be of use to the majority of high school students, given the fact that the majority don't go to selective places. Uh, but rather by a high-achieving minority who are all trying to figure out what shape they need to mold themselves into so that they can squeeze through Bill DeRizowitz's keyhole, as he called it in episode one, of hyper-selective admissions processes. You know, and I also, I think I made the point in the interview that you can't look at these applications as a roadmap. You can buy a thousand applications uh, from Admitsi and and it's going to be not helpful to consider them as your way in. 
Your individual situation is never going to be the same as anybody else's because the times are going to be different when you apply. Schools have new institutional priorities all the time. So these are like, you know, last year, you know, we over-enrolled kids in our engineering program. So this year we're going to admit fewer students to that program. So that that's, you know, there are a lot of those kinds of things. The circumstances that created an environment of admissibility for one student can never be expected to be the same year over year uh, or rarely. And, um, you know, one last thing I want to try and suggest, there's a strong tendency to think of applying to college in strategic terms, especially if you've identified that, you know, certain colleges are the ones that can give you the life outcomes that you have in mind for yourself, or let's be honest, that maybe your parents have in mind for you, then you'll employ the best strategies in order to get in. And this includes applying early decision, right, because you've heard it's easier to get in, selecting a certain essay prompt because you know that it's in the minority of topics that kids chose last year, petitioning your admissions counselor through regular email updates, thereby demonstrating interest, and so on and so on. There are lots of nuances and longer conversations to be had about each of these things, but the truth is that the more you consider strategy, the more you're liable to veer from authenticity, and that's all we want in college admissions, the real you, I swear to God. Ask any single person that does the job that I do, and that's what they're going to tell you. Uh, As I shared with Stephanie, Admitsy could create the tendency to go with a more strategic you, and in this way, it may be encouraging students to not be the real you, who's a badass. Just like Quaid, Total Recall, was m- much more of a badass than he could uh, than he could recall at the time. I guess, right? I mean, it wasn't really his fault. I never thought about this, but it's really a little bit of a Wizard of Oz thing going on with Quaid and Total Recall. All right, that's a, maybe a master's thesis for one of you film criticism students out there. So, anyways, all right. Uh, he got to the bottom of it all eventually, as, as you will. One way or another, you'll, uh, you'll each bring oxygen to Mars, so to speak. Okay, now go watch the movie. And again, it's rated R. Okay, so don't, don't send me any angry emails that I didn't forewarn people. It's definitely rated R. And uh, I'm stopping now because I've taken this analogy way too far. Uh, but I'm proud that I did. I don't care. So I'd really love some feedback from you out there on this one for real. I know that there are thoughts on this, so please share them. 50386crush, tweet at crushpod, crushpod at gmail.com for crying out loud, crushpodcast.com. I just can't, there's nothing, you know, there's no reason to not do it. Uh, all right, thanks, guys. Uh, I'll be back with more real soon now that the things have calmed down a little bit on the uh, college fair circuit. See you at the potty, Richter.